You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. That is right. We are back in the house. Welcome to The Conservative Conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz on... August 7th, late Monday. Um, too late for me. I'm already exhausted from this week. You know, it's funny. I've never had an August like this where I actually don't have enough hours in the day to do everything I want. Usually, you know, you're looking to do long-term projects that you finally have time to, to deal with uh, just because the day-to-day hustle and bustle is over with, at least while Congress is at a session, while the White House is slowed down. Uh, a lot of the courts are on vacation. I wish they were on, on permanent vacation. But the, the reality is this year, there is so much going on. Now, you might not have heard it in the news going on. There's not a lot. I mean, if, if, in terms of the regular news cycle, it is pretty slow. But in terms of what is actually important, if we actually had a conservative movement that was, well, a conservative movement... There would be a lot to focus on. And I want to get to the Alabama Senate race. Um, that is, this should be all hands on deck. Good versus evil. I mean, this is everything we've ever believed in. All coming together at the perfect time against everything we're up against in this failed Republican Party. And there really is almost nobody focused on this. Very, very frustrating. And I think that in itself is very telling. Now, I actually am pretty optimistic. I think we have a chance to really win this thing outright, uh, you know, even even if the so-called conservative movement doesn't get on board. But it's just certainly very telling. But before that, uh, yeah, I, I would like to say Louis Gohmert is correct. H.R. McMaster is a dunce. <laughs> um, I hinted to this last week, but I'm sure some of you have seen by now for the first time, there's been at least some critical mass of conservative media, and I give Breitbart a lot of credit for being all over this, pressuring Trump to fire McMaster. But unfortunately, over the weekend, President Trump circled the wagons around him. And you know, at some point, our people need to understand that this administration can't rise above the man himself. You know, we blame this factor, that factor, the media, this deep state, this figure. But at the end of the day, this is the man who hires these people. This is the man who chooses to keep these people. And, you know, I remember, what was it, the first couple of weeks of January, last week of de- December, one of the last major fights of the Obama administration was over Israel. And they said, yeah, help is on the way. We're going to change course from the Obama era. I challenge anyone to show me a shred of difference, a morsel of difference between H.R. McMaster and Obama's people as it relates to Israel. And indeed, H.R. McMaster has kept a bunch of Ben Rhodes individuals. That's why he's so into the Iran deal. And he fired four conservatives, including a friend of mine. And uh, I've gotten a lot of insight into this, that the National Security Council is something I've been watching the last couple of months. 
And this is the problem. You know, given that the president is not breaking out of the paradigm, his campaign rhetoric broke outside of the paradigm, but his governance is not signaling to our allies that he's changing direction. So what I heard from my friend is that the Israelis aren't, you know, are saying, eh, you know, McMaster's a nice guy. Well, yeah, because they see that Trump is keeping him. So they're certainly not going to bash him. And, you know, it's the same way we kind of see on healthcare that everyone operates within the realm of the insurance cartel controlling healthcare in America until we break out of that paradigm. And then people will follow. Same thing as it relates to primary, same thing as it relates to uh, starting a new party. Everyone's going to continue on the status quo until we break out of the paradigm. I'm very concerned. I am very concerned about McMaster. Like I said, I mean, this is the guy that is responsible for foreign policy, and he is really the arm of the White House as it relates to foreign policy. So, you know, Tillerson, State Department, they're they're gone. They're broken. They're completely, I mean, they, they are just inexorably against us. But that wouldn't matter if we had a guy like John Bolton as National Security Council head, because he could overrule Tillerson. Instead, McMaster is even worse than Tillerson. So this is going to remain a very big problem until it's dealt with. And and again, I mean, where is Rush Limbaugh? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Trump, uh, Trump is very sensitive to what Rush thinks, and. You know, if you'd focus on that, I think we'd be, oh, gosh, world of world worlds away from where we are today. But instead, we focus on nonsense. And the funny thing is, again, Trump is his own worst enemy. He he tweets out a whole thing this morning about Russia, Russia, Russia. Same the, uh, deal, Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, that's going to become the news cycle. He's his own worst enemy. He's his own worst enemy by hiring these people, by keeping these people. Uh, you know, it's funny. A lot of people uh, noticed that when Trump, for for once, did something really good, got rid of the transgender nonsense or, or announced the end of the transgender castration nonsense in the military. So what happened a day or two later? The head of the Joint Chief of Staffs, uh, General Dunford, and then Mattis at the DOD, they trashed him publicly. How does that happen? That only happens when the man himself is a dumpster fire. Because when he hires these people, he doesn't look at their worldview. Hey, uh, what do you think of Iran? What do you think of Israel? What do you think of Islamic immigration? What do you think of freak shows in the military? No, it's your resume, your, he's very into body image. He's literally the way you look, how tall you are. I guess I can never get a job in the Trump administration. You know, it's all about the resume. This is literally a celebrity apprentice. But never bothers to ask, do you share the worldview that I ran on? Supposedly ran on. And that's the problem, how you have a bunch of Trump appointees that don't share his campaign rhetoric. And now Trump feels he needs to circle the wagons around them. So this is a very big problem. It's going to continue. And by the way, I mean, I, I want to point out also another big story last week with uh, Trump, the, the transcript of Trump's conversation with the Aussie leader leaked to the Washington Post. I mean, that's a very serious issue that you have leaks going on. 
Now, I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, it's so terrible. Everyone's out to get the president. Well, look, I understand the media is going to be out to get any Republican, no matter what. But you've never, ever had leaks like this in the Bush years or anyone else. When the man's a dumpster fire, everything around him is going to be a dumpster fire. That's the reality. You can't rise above the man himself. He sets that tone where everything's chaos, where you'll have, you know, a guy like Russ Vogt as deputy director of OMB, an amazing conservative patriot, one of the best in the entire country, a friend of mine. But then you'll have a pro-Hamas guy, you know, what's his name? Um, Baum, that, that guy McMaster hired. I forgot his name, but he's a, he's the Hamas apologist. So, you know, yeah, it's it's, it's total chaos because he's total chaos. You bring a, a scorpion into your bed, that's what you're going to get. Now, again, my, my objective here is not to look back on the past, how he got elected. It's to look forward. What could conservatives do? And one of the things is to actually punch him in the face and say, you are betraying us. Instead of sniffing his rear end. And you know what? He'll probably listen to you a good part of the time. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing we could do, and, and, and this is what's making me busy, is that I'm thinking of all different ways we could help. And as you guys know, I'm not a one-trick pony. It's a matter of simultaneously working on how to start a new party, growing the Federalist Party, our friends over there, how to work on a bunch of primaries, to, you know, e- even though, even though, like I told you, I, I do think the Republican Party is irremediably broken, but I think that if you, if you do elect guys under the Republican banner that are completely, completely severed from the Republican machine— they have no allegiance to it. That's the closest thing we could we could uh, at least pursue in the meantime until we start a new party. And then on the issues, you know, we've had about five episodes recently on healthcare reform, true healthcare reform, how to actually solve the issue even without repealing Obamacare. Because if you don't deal with insurance and you cut out the insurance cartel and you directly address the cause of health care on the supply side, health care inflation, well, insurance becomes moot, Obamacare becomes moot, and therefore the need to repeal it becomes moot. And it's a lot easier to message. I, I know I've gotten a lot of good feedback from you on, on those episodes, and I'm going to have another article coming out for Tuesday on, uh, on what we need to do to cut out the cartel and stop the bailouts and three or four reforms, many of which I've mentioned already, that could change the game. So this is going to be a pretty good overview of a lot of the work we've done with some of our guests. And you know, we'll go from there. Then we have the issue of immigration. You know, last week, in episode, I believe episode 134, we laid out a vision for true immigration reform. And I'm going to post in our show notes, we have two articles up, just giving over a lot of the principles from my book, but some new information, contrasting this wave of immigration to the previous wave of immigration we we had at the turn of the century, just to demonstrate how we've never done what we're doing today. And, you know, finally, the president was out, up, up, you know, up front, and, and I really praised him for this, where he supported one piece of legislation with specific principles, specific goals, the RAISE Act sponsored by Tom Cotton and and Senator David Perdue, 
unlike last time where he said, just send me any health care bill. It could have full repeal, no repeal. I'll just sign it. You know, here he didn't say, well, just send me an immigration bill with the word immigration in it. And it's specific principles. And it was built on putting Americans first. And that's what immigration is all about. It always was about that. It's it's at first and foremost for the current Americans, native-born immigrant, doesn't matter. Um, it, it is to bolster our society. We have to worry first and foremost about taxpayers, about security, and that we would only bring in the best of the best, that we wouldn't tolerate any criminal elements, any public charge, any health risks, none of that. Now, I got a lot of immigration news I see coming across my wires, you know, my sources, and I'm going to try to get to that in writing this week. But, you know, it turns out that with the DACA program, a FOIA request from my buddies at early, the Immigration eh, immigration Reform Law Institute, have unearthed a lot of evidence that shows that Obama, as we kind of suspected, let in a lot of people into the DACA program that were criminal aliens. Now, again... I don't care if you're a criminal or not. You know, amnesty is unconstitutional unless Congress uh, changes immigration law. So either way, it was unconstitutional. But this whole lie about all oh, these are valedictorians and the greatest, you know, uh, American apple pie kids. No way. Um, a whole bunch of them were problematic. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, this is where we are with immigration. There's a lot of things we could do. Donald Trump, of course, by the way, keeping DACA in place. Remember, we saw 125,000 DACA cards issued in the first quarter. Uh, we don't have the data yet for April, what is it, April, May, and June, the second quarter, or actually third quarter of the fiscal year, really, because it goes by last October. We, we don't have information on this. And uh, th th that's a problem. That is a real problem. But you know, someone needs to pressure the president to tone it down. But of course, much like with moving the embassy to Jerusalem, much like much like with uh, getting rid of the Iran deal, there is no conservative angst. But anyway, well, actually, before I get to this, I wanted to share with you an article, and I'm trying to find it as I'm talking to you. I'll whatever. I'll I'll, I'll dig this up. Oh, here. Okay. I mean, just just a sense of. Especially for those of you who have read my book, Stolen Sovereignty, it's really the best the, the best narrative I think ever given over in recent history as to the values of our founders, of our earlier years on immigration and what they wanted and didn't want. And I just want to read to you what we have. A tw this is from a Fox News article, and we'll, we'll link to this in show notes. A 23-year-old dreamer in Washington state is accused of brutally raping a 19-year-old woman in her apartment complex's gym and leaving her with severe facial injuries, including a broken jaw and dangling ear. The woman ended up stumbling home with missing teeth, a bloody head, and wearing only a black tank top. According to court, to court documents obtained by the Fox News, um, just, yeah, I'm just sticking, sticking around here. Salvador Diaz Garcia, an illegal immigrant who was a recipient of DACA, is now facing second degree assault and rape charges in the vicious attack. He also faces child molestation charges for allegedly assaulting a 14 year old boy the same day the rape occurred. Um, I guess he's an equal opportunity, uh, LGQF, whatever sexual identity guy. Uh, let's see what else we had here. His DACA status has been revoked, and he may now face possible deportation. Oh, really? Yeah, it'll probably take about a year of legal proceedings to get him out, um, which in itself is is a subject of, of my book. 
Um, let's see what else we got. According to police, the woman was on the treadmill of the gym at 9.15 p.m. when Diaz Garcia stood behind her and kept asking her questions. She asked him to move. Diaz Garcia then violently attacked her. Police said, leaving her with a broken jaw, broken nose, and her ear partially ripped off. Um, I, whatever. I'm not even going to read further. This is just doing the jobs Americans won't do. See, this is the vision that we don't have from a part. This is why we need a new political party. Because the Republican Party has sabotaged our messaging on this issue for so long, and now they're like, oh, the, the Raise Act won't pass, not enough votes. Well, what's your solution? This is such an opportunity now to have a Federalist Party. And by the way, it's very important, Federalist, because Federalist doesn't mean states' rights. It means the Federalist system, where more often things should be at a state or local level, but there's a couple of things the federal government has to do darn well. And one, one of the things is protecting our national sovereignty, that we don't have people in this country for even a second. And if we mistakenly let one in, they're gone in three seconds, if not sent to the gulag. People like this. That's the vision we need to give, that we are a tolerant society. And we want people to share those tolerant values. We want the most peaceful, democracy-loving, republic-loving, thoughtful, honest Smart, productive individuals. That is a winning issue. You know, before we move on to Alabama, I know I've taken a while to to get to the main point I wanted to get to with the Alabama Senate race. But uh, there's news out there. I don't know if you guys have been following this, and you know, I might I might try to do a write up on this. In Sydney, Australia, a local council voted to not allow construction of a synagogue. Why? Well, because the Muslim immigrants would make that a target for terror. Talk about blaming the victim. See, this is immigration come full circle. We let in the bad guys, and then everyone else has to tiptoe around them. It's funny. It, you know, Just like you have in America now, where Christians cannot serve their God with their own private property, their own conscience, without having the homosexual agenda mandate that uh, they give up their private property rights, their business, to service their whatever they want to do. Yet at the same time, Muslims have a First Amendment right to immigrate. So th- there you go. In Australia, Jews don't have the uh, you know freedom of religion to worship, but you know unlimited Muslim immigration. Unbelievable. Th- these are the values on immigration. I-, I believe we could give over, and it's a it's a seventy thirty issue easily. But alas, we have no party to do so, which leads me to to my final point for today, and that's the Alabama Senate race. This Senate race is everything. You know, it's funny watching so many conservatives that they lament, they pull their hair hair out, oh, it's terrible, we don't have a party that really believes in what we believe in. And then when the opportunity presents itself to actually rectify the situation, I I feel like I'm just, I'm I'm alone, (laughs) I'm always the first guy doing this. And you know, I'm, I'm working on Chris McDaniel is running in uh, Mississippi. He's going to challenge Wicker. Um, Jaron Jackson, our buddy uh, is uh, from Oklahoma, is challenging an Oklahoma District 2. Mark Wayne Mullen, the establishment hack, who's dumb as a sack of rocks, too, is a video of him supporting single payer. Um, but he's uh, he violated his term limits pledge. I have another guy I'm working on in Pennsylvania just got a call about that today a very interesting story there i'll let you know um you know when that comes out but 
next Tuesday. I mean, this is this is in a week. We have a choice. This is Elijah on Mount Carmel here. This is, do you believe in Baal or do you be, believe in, in God? Do you believe in everything you said? Oh, I want someone who follows the Constitution. Uh, oh, I want someone who's a fiscal conservative. I want someone who's a social conservative. Uh, believes in marriage. Oh, but, but I don't really believe in it. So what's funny there is, you know, there's there's about 10 candidates or so, but there's really three candidates. There's the sitting senator who is not really a legitimate incumbent. He was appointed by the love gov, Robert um, Bentley, who was th- summarily thrown out of office for doing worse than Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky with taxpayer funds. So this guy picked Attorney General Luther Strange, who has been – he is so embedded in K Street even before he stepped foot there that every cartel industry is backing him with millions upon millions of dollars for the McConnell Super PAC, his personal campaign, just flooding the airwaves with his lying ads. Um. Just a pure McConnell hack. McConnell is going to war for this guy. That should tell you everything you need to know. But the fact that Bentley not only appointed him, but but you know, then also I, I have the letter that that uh, Luther Strange sent to the House Judiciary Committee chairman, who was looking into impeachment proceedings against Bentley at the time. When Luther Strange, as Attorney General, said, "No, you you should drop the investigation." A couple of weeks later, he's appointed. And not, again, not only appointed, but originally Bentley wanted to give him extra incumbency and not hold an election until 2018, which was against their tradition. It's not required by law, but it certainly is against the traditional practice of filling vacancies in the state. Um, to her credit, when uh, Lieutenant Governor, now Acting Governor uh, Kay Ivey took over, she said, no, I mean, the people need to decide in a special election as soon as possible. And to her credit, that that election, again, the first round is um, next week. The runoff is about six weeks later. So the way the, way the race stands is um, every poll has Roy Moore ahead. And like I said, this is a God-given providential opportunity for us. This is the rare case where we are starting off with a candidate who has 100% name ID, well-liked by most people in the state, and really has an opportunity to take this all the way. So every poll has him in the lead. Every poll has Luther Strange number two and Mo Brooks number three. Now, the the thing is, some polls have Luther closer to Roy and leaving Mo in the dust, and some have him, you know, Roy way ahead and Luther farther down and, you know, just a couple points ahead of Mo. I mean, the way it probably looks is that the runoff will be Luther and... Um, and Mo. So just to update you, a poll just came out. Pretty comprehensive poll. It's posted at Breitbart. Um, Moore at 30%, Strange at 22, Brooks at 19. Um, but here's the kicker. Look at the fave unfave. And this is really important. Mo Brooks is 31% favorable, 43% unfavorable, 21% no opinion. Um, you know, look, I, I like Mo. Mo is one of the you know, among the most conservative House members, I would take him any day of the week if we didn't have a rock star like Rory Moore who actually has demonstrated what nobody else has ever done on the most important issue of our time, judicial tyranny, that he said, no, the judiciary is not the final say when we say we believe in the Constitution, when we stay, say we believe in state powers, when we say we believe in marriage and the true definition of the First Amendment, you know, the Establishment Clause back in the case of the Ten Commandments, it means we actually believe in it in practice. Everyone else is talk. This man did it. And again, it's not just about the courts. Whatever issue you care about, 
that you want your state legislature to do, that you want Congress to do, I got news for you. We can't do it because of the courts. The courts are already looming so large, by the way. I hear a lot of things you know, the administration doesn't want to do because they're worried about the courts. So a lot of things you don't even hear about that they're not even trying to do. So we need, and we talk about an originalist in the, in, on the bench. We need an originalist in the Senate who understands the powers of Congress over the courts, who understands the Constitution. And, it, and most importantly, it's not about what you stand for. Every Republican's conservative when they run for office, certainly in a state like Alabama. It's about what you will actually do to implement those ideas. And this is what we're talking about on immigration, on health care, breaking outside the paradigm of the cartel. This is the closest thing you'll get to a third party. Folks, will you take yes for an answer? Everything you say you want in a leader, this is your man. So, Mo Brooks, I think he's underwater because unfortunately the attacks by Luther Strange accusing him of being an anti-Trumper but again, you know, he was anti-Trump in the primary from the right. <laughs> McConnell's buddies are anti-Trump from the left, so it's extremely dishonest. But unfortunately, it works because Brooks is not well known outside of Huntington, outside of his district. Strange is 35% fave, 50% unfave. So he's, uh, he's has got a real problem. Moore is exactly opposite, 53% fave, 34% unfave. Um, I'm telling you, folks, he's way out ahead. Um, there was another poll I saw that showed him hypothetically le- leading a hypothetical matchup, you know, in the second round with Luther. But again, they're going to come after him with $10 million of ads, $20 million of ads. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's again, this is, this is a, a real opportunity here because Roy Moore does have a 100% name ID. He's very well defined, so it's hard to knock him down, but they're going to try. And this has to be all hands on deck. I'm sick of the lesser of two evils. I'm sick of the binary nonsense. I'm sick of but the Democrats, but the media. I want someone I could be proud of who could stand on his own veracity. I've never felt stronger about a public official running for office more than Roy Moore. I I, I mean that with every fiber of my being. You know, some of the people, many of my friends, we call the smart set conservatives in Washington – so they're they're supporting Mo Brooks, and and again, I I I don't nothing against Mo, but I'm just saying part of the thing. I know it's well, Daniel. I don't know Roy Moore. He's kind of nuts. I don't know if he could win. And meanwhile, I mean, he's doing a lot better than Mo. Um, but this is the problem because a lot of our people don't really believe in it in their heart. There's nothing nutty about him. Believe me, you know I'm very. I've been very involved in recruiting primary candidates, and I understand the need for the right packaging and you don't have a nutcase um you know i've had you know certain people try to get my endorsement that uh, you know broadly speaking i agreed with what they were saying but the problem is they then they would start spewing these like nutty conspiracy theories crazy crazy things that is not who roy moore is if you think a state supreme court ju- justice saying Look, the Ten Commandments, marriage, a federal court can't redefine that. Everything we say in theory, but he actually put into practice, if you think that's nutty, then you are the problem. Take yes for an answer. Now, the problem with Roy Moore is, that his weakness is, he is so not a politician. 
he is so divorced from politics that, you know, he's a horrible fundraiser and he's not a good campaigner. And I mean that endearingly. I mean that in a good way. He's just, I mean, it's not his thing. That's why this was God-given because this is a special election. It's so quick. You don't have to run for office for 18 months. Um, It's Alabama. It's a special election, low turnout. He has such a high floor of support, fervent support. He has 100% name ID. And Luther Strange is such a damaged candidate. Um, So this is the opportunity. Folks, you know where to go. You know where to go. You know what you need to do. I cannot think of, of, of any single, and again, there's no single silver bullet to solving our problems. Certainly no one Senate election is going to solve this. But this is it. Oh, and by the way, Chuck Norris <laughs> just endorsed uh, Roy Moore. So there you go. Love Chuck. He was one of, I, as someone who wasn't much of a TV watcher when I was young, I always watched all the Chuck Norris uh, shows and, and, uh, and movies. Um, but, but this is where we are. RoyMoore.org. RoyMoore.org. You know where to go. Put your money where your mouth is. Um, I, I cannot, I cannot overstate the importance of this race. Luther Strange and, and the McConnell cartel, they embody everything that's wrong. And by the way, Luther Strange, he was a lobbyist for the insurance cartel. And also for an amnesty, when he was at one of his firms, um, lobbying shops, they they were listed as, uh, they had as a client uh, a pro-amnesty group. Alabama, what is it, Alabama Employers for Immigration Reform or something. Um, this is this is as much of good versus evil as you can get in politics. I cannot think of someone who embodies McConnell more than Luther Strange. I cannot think of someone who embodies everything we supposedly believe in more than Judge Roy Moore. And this is what it is. It's going to take a new vision that plays differently, that speaks differently, that acts differently, that thinks differently than the entire cartel to break outside of the paradigm and offer a new vision and be consistent about it and be principled about it. You know, I know, I know what many of you think, oh, uh, Roy Moore, I don't know, people are going to be turned off by him. You know what? People will be a lot more attracted to someone like that than a Mitch McConnell. And here we are. That My promise to you is I am going to do everything I can in my power, both in the short term, medium term, long term, to think of different solutions and different, uh, and and this is what God wants from us, to make the right choices as they come up, or to try to force a situation uh, to create those choices, take the initiative. All we can do is do the right thing as it comes up. So rather than oh the Democrats did this and focus on this nonsense, let's focus on the policies, the elections, and the people we can actually believe in and get behind. That, that stand on their own two feet, not just relative to the other side. We're just about out of time. want to make sure you guys, again, get your CRTV subscription, promo code Horowitz to get 10 bucks off. Also, very important, go to preparewithcr.com. Our buddies at Patriot Supply get your 140 meals for 99 bucks. I'm telling you, with these crazy storms around, uh, at least in the, uh, if you're on the East Coast now, we almost lost power. There was a tornado here in Maryland, um, tragic death of, of a teenage girl so uh you know this it is a pr- pretty stormy part of the summer not a bad idea in case the power goes out for for a long period of time get ready-made meals i'm a big fan of that even though i'm not a doomsday type of guy <laughs> i'm not a survivalist but it is good to have your kitchen stocked 
preparewithcr.com. Till next time, God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 